Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Amen, Lord. You are the answer. The world just wonders what the answer is. And all along, the solution has been written in your book, the one you wrote. The one says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Lord God, we have the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the way, the truth, the life. Father, if people would just come to you. If they would confess with their mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, he shall be saved. And Lord, that's simple. It's that simple. But Lord, even in the model prayer that you gave us, you, you, there's a statement that says, forgive us our sins. So we repent of our sins, Lord. We turn away from them. We do an about face. Where, where those sins used to take us, we're going in the opposite direction now because your Holy Spirit is in our life. And we, for one thing, do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we're coming to you in, in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit. And, Lord, we pray that we hear every word that you have to say to each and every one of us tonight. And whether we're online or whether we listen a year from now, 10 years from now, or 100 years from now, and those of us here speak to our hearts and help us, Holy Spirit, to apply what we learn. Help us to give us the courage to do so because we need your strength. You told us that we can do nothing, but with you we can do all things. There's the answer. With you we can do all things. Tonight, Lord, be glorified in Jesus' name, Father. To you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated. For those online, thank you for staying tuned. For those new people that just came online, I want to remind them that uh, Freedom. this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. And... Um, and we'd love to uh, have you tune in every week at 10 a.m. on Sunday and 7.15 on Thursday nights. So um, you uh, tune in and stay tuned to us. And Thursday nights, we're studying in Genesis. We're on the 48th chapter, part 2 of Genesis. That means we've been in, in the uh, Bible for almost over 50 weeks because we had a couple uh, side tracks, Lord. Uh, so... Tune in, and on Sunday, we're going to be, uh, we're studying in Matthew, but I'm going to uh, do a special teaching this Sunday on Thanksgiving, um, so so uh, stay tuned. We're going to break off from Matthew, and we'll continue in Matthew chapter 8 next week. So, um, I want to remind everybody that uh, Saturday, for men, if you're local, we're right at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. 33462, just a half or a quarter to a half a mile west of I-95. So come on in, men, at 9 a.m. And, of course, for those online, tune in on, uh, on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And if you, if you go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, you can check us out, see what we're all about. Um, and uh, we're all about Jesus here. It's all about him. So um, you can even give online should you want to or listen to any of our messages from years past. 
So um, we thank you. Stay tuned and tune in Sunday at 10 a.m. But we're going to study in Genesis chapter 48 uh, tonight. On you have a prayer request. Uh, Yeah. Oh. She's the lady that had the open heart surgery. Who? Sandy? Okay. Okay. Praise the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you that you healed Connie, Lord, and she went through that open heart surgery well. We know she's not out of the woods. She's been opened up so lord we pray for a quick healing for her and also uh sandy lord the work that you've done in her so we give you the glory and the praise and that's why we pray we believe what we pray and the lord says that we should have it we will have it he said if you say to this mountain be taken up and cast into the sea and listen to this if you don't doubt in your heart but believe that what you said or prayed will happen then god will grant it to you but before he said that, he said, you know, God will have faith in God. So you have to have faith in God. And you have to have faith that Jesus Christ, he rose Jesus Christ from the dead. By the way, Christ means Messiah. Christ is Greek for Messiah, which is in Hebrew. So just so you know that. His last name is not Christ. He's the Messiah of Israel. And he came to redeem you. You know that. You've seen the signs at the football games and the baseball games and everywhere. It says, John 3.16, that means that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. And if you would just believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. And believe takes on a whole new context. It's adhere to, trust in, and rely on him like glue, adhere to. So it's that simple. You don't have to go to church every Sunday. You don't have to have communion. You don't have to read your Bible. But you have. But if you really made a heartfelt commitment, you will go to church and you will read your Bible and you will pray because your life has been changed because the Holy Spirit now is occupying the place in your heart. And he's going to lead you and show you which way to go. Jesus said, uh, I go away. And it's important that I go away or else the comforter, the helper, cannot come. And, of course, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit is none other than the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So, oh, we have a lot to say about Jesus. It's all about Jesus here at Freedom Church. So um, if, you, if it's all about Jesus for you in your life, you belong here at Freedom Church. So come on out Sunday, 2810 High Paluxo Road. If you're in Lantana, Florida or close, you know, Three three four six two, and we'd we'd love to have you. We're a friendly family church, and we preach the the word of God here. We preach the whole counsel of God, the whole uh, word of God. We don't skip over the passages that that uh, a lot of people don't like because they might have people walk out the door or not give any money. You know what? Unless the Lord builds a house, you labor in vain. So we're going to let the Lord build the house. We don't take an offering here. We never have in almost 10 years. So, uh, you know, uh, God has kept us here. So we're not building the church. We're doing our best, but we're depending on the Lord to build the, the church because we'd just be laboring in vain. So anyway, Genesis 
chapter 48, we're going to start. I'm just going to review um, a few things. Before we get on, I want to go through, just hit over the people that we covered. Jacob is giving his blessings to his, to his 12 sons. But there's really 13 because Joseph's tribe consists of Ephraim and Manasseh. But we learned last week, and, and yeah, last week and the weeks before, that Reuben uh, was not so hot, and neither was Simeon and Levi, and they lost their birthright, which is to be the spiritual leader of the family. But now we know that the fourth-born son of Leah is, is Jacob, and Jacob is the spiritual leader now of the family. But Reuben, when... when um, Jacob pronounced blessing, and by the way, his name is Israel, Israel now, because God changed his name when he wrestled with the angel of God. Reuben, Jacob's son, he said, you are, his blessing, his curse is bittersweet. This is pretty much, you know, it's pr pretty much bitter rather than sweet. There's one good point about it. Jacob says, you're my firstborn. You are the strength. You know, the, when I was strongest, you know, you were born. You know, but then he goes on and he, he blesses uh, Reuben, which really isn't a blessing, but we, it is his blessing, but it really isn't because there's more bitter than sweet. So to, to Reuben, his firstborn, he said, you're unstable as water. You will not excel. Because you defiled your father's bed. He slept with, with uh, Jacob, his father's concubine, Bilhah. And he was therefore disqualified from the birthright. He's unstable as water. You know what James says in chapter 1 and verse 8? He says, the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's unstable. And Reuben was unstable, okay? And you need to know this today, church. James, the half-brother of Jesus, I say half-brother because James's father was Joseph and Mary, and Mary was his mother. In Jesus's case, God is his father and Mary was the, the, uh, the, the birth mother, okay? So he's actually the son of God. 100%, and he's actually the son of man, so that he could die for our sins. Because if you read Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5, you'll see that God had a body prepared for Messiah. Okay? So, you know, he's unstable as water. He defiled his father's bed. This is the first time Jacob even brings comment to what Reuben had done years ago. He was quiet about it until this point. Probably never slept with Bilhah again. Then we have Simeon and Levi that Jacob pronounced a blessing on last week. He praised them because together they were they had unity. And that's something the Christian church needs to have today is unity. You know what? I believe that if you pray with faith, God can heal you. I believe, I believe by faith. You know, that I can move a mountain, not a literal mountain like Mount Everest at 29,028 feet. Not a mountain to move an actual literal mountain like, like uh, Mount Everest into the sea. No, Jesus was talking about, God was talking about moving the mountain in your life. 
as many preachers would would attest to, like I might have done it myself over the years. He says the 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 mountain in David's life was this big nine foot nine and a half foot giant called Goliath. That was his mountain, and he conquered it in the name of the Lord. Okay, so Simeon and Levi had strength in their unity. Okay, but they used it for cruelty. They used it for cruelty. They 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 went and murdered men because one guy in the city, his name was Shechem, Prince Shechem, you know, he he uh, raped their sister Tamar. And then they wanted to they wanted he wanted to marry her. So anyway, what does Jacob say or Israel say about his two sons, his second and third born son? He says when he gives a blessing, he says, they are instruments of cruelty. They're instruments. They're cruel. They're just bad people. They're bad-hearted people. At one time, Jacob even said it in one of the verses here. He said they hamstrung an ox just for kicks. I pondered that when I taught it last week. It's in the scriptures. I think it's verse 9 or something like that. Okay? Um they just took an ox, I guess, I don't know, he didn't like it, it was a wrong color. I don't know, they hamstrung him. Well, what happens when you hamstring a horse? They actually shoot it, it's of no, no value anymore. They were just cruel people. And uh, Jacob says, in your anger of unity, you killed a man. He killed, they killed Shechem. They told him, well, we, will, you can, we can let you marry Tamar, and we can interact as brothers and sisters, your, your clan and our clan, if you all are circumcised. And on the third day after the, the Shechem's clan was circ, uh, circumcised, they went into the city and murdered all the men. They were cruel. They were mass murderers, and therefore they lost their birthright. Simeon would have got the birthright if Reuben didn't fail and sleep with his his uh, dad's mother, um, dad's wife. Okay. And but Simeon and Levi, Simeon would have got the next birthright, but he was just cruel. And then Levi and him teamed up, so the first, the second, and third son, you know, were 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 disqualified. Simeon and Levi, Jacob says, you have no wisdom. You have no honor. He's really disappointed with these two sons of his and his firstborn son. He said, cursed be your anger to Simeon and Levi. He said, and because of this, you will be divided. And you know as well as I do that the clan, the tribe of Levi, was, became the priests of Israel, and they were scattered out throughout the, uh, the twelve tribes they were scattered and this was fulfilled that's why this is the word of god it's true it will come to pass so it did come to pass because they lost their birthright and they were scattered and simeon also was scattered and they had no significant uh, uh they were like the weakest tribe in israel because they would not help others they wouldn't even go to war with their brothers when they went into the conquered land. So they, it was, they, had, they lost their birthright because of this, and they were disqualified. And then we find out the fourth-born son 
Jacob pronounced a blessing on his fourthborn son, and his fourthborn son, Jacob, went from putting, putting uh, Dave, uh, George, who is his name? Let's see, Benjamin in a cistern. He went from doing that, he said, he said, don't murder him. The Solomon will take him to Egypt. But as the years went on, 22 years later, Jacob is now offering his life before Joseph, who was prime minister, or they didn't know it. You know, he offered his life as long as Benjamin could go back home to dad. So now he, they were protecting. He saw the change. You know, Judah was ready to sacrifice his life for his brother's life. And you know what? That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who sacrificed his life that you and I might be saved. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless, forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, I stand up here as, as an unclean man. The only thing clean about me, as a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody on the phone today, and he said to me, you're a good man. I said, listen, nobody's good. The only thing that makes me good is the spirit of Jesus Christ in me. And that's true. I've been saved over 44 years, and I got saved when I was 27, and I'm still dealing with the sins of back to, of that time. 44 years. 44 years, I'm still dealing with the sins. And now I understand why Jesus cried out for the, from the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And that's what I prayed today, even in a lot of times. I say, Lord, forgive me, for I didn't know what I was doing in those 27 years. And when I, really, it was a lot less than that, because in the first five, six years of my life, I was just an innocent child. I still had the sins of Adam and Eve. But I was just innocent. I didn't know any better. I got into all kind of trouble because I sinned and didn't know about God because my parents didn't tell me. You know, my wife and I told all of our children about Jesus. Some of them, you know, uh, serve him in a small way. Other ones are almost blasphemous. Let me rephrase that. They are blasphemous. It's disgusting, but I know one thing. I trained them up in the Lord. And so, you know, we, me, we changed our, trained, trained up our sons and daughters in the Lord. And when they are old, the Word of God says, they will not depart from it. So I, I without a doubt, they're going to get saved and they're going to serve God someday. All five of them. And the grandkids that come along. Judah becomes the, the first, the first, what was I going to say? He becomes the inheritance of the blessing, the spiritual leader of the, the family, the clan. So when he pronounced, when Jacob pronounced a blessing over, over um, Judah, and we know from the scriptures that he's the lion of the tribe of what? Judah. So now we know that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But here it goes. In verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the law from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. That's the first part of this verse in chapter 10. It says that the scepter will not depart from Judah. I covered this at the end of last week's message, but it's so important. I want to just cover it again. And then we'll get into the rest of the tribes 
You know, there's really not a lot of significance to some of them. Some of them are just one verse. The scepter shall not. The scepter means the king. It's the king that carries the scepter. And the king had power over, over capital punishment. Capital punishment. And the scriptures say that the scepter shall not depart from Judah. And a lot of the Jews slipped away from Jehovah because they slipped away from Jehovah because they lost their authority to have to do capital punishment. That's why they had to go to Pilate to get the approval to crucify Christ. Otherwise, they would have stoned him to death. But of course, we had scriptures had to be fulfilled and cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree or a cross. Okay? So the scepter shall not depart. And a lot of Jews fell away because they lost their control of capital punishment because that's what the scepter means. Okay? Little did they know that about 6 B.C., if you do all the, the scripture timing, we know that Herod died in 4 B.C. We know that Jesus was alive when Herod born. Remember when Herod was king? Because Herod sent out the soldiers to wipe out all the two-year-olds two and down in Bethlehem. So we know that Jesus was born before that. So... You know, we got our dates a little wrong. They could, I'm sure they could pinpoint it. I wouldn't doubt if some of the, the scholars have done that already. But Jesus was alive. You know, back now we can pinpoint how to hit, hit the, uh, you know, the planet Saturn and have it timed perfectly as the Saturn turns around for the, for the rocket to get up to Saturn. Back in when, when this Bible was written, there was no any accuracy like that. So they established B.C. before Christ and A.D. anti-demand. They scheduled that when they thought it was. Jesus was alive and well. The Jews never lost their, their right of capital punishment because when Rome took it away, Jesus was still on earth with the scepter. That means he had the right. He had the right to stone the woman caught in adultery, but he told them, all those ones that wanted to throw the stones. He says, if any of you are without son, you cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones from the oldest to the youngest and walked away. But Jesus had the right to condemn her, but he didn't. He said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. But then he said this, go and sin no more. That's called repentance. Turning away from your sins. Then he goes on in that verse, nor a lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And Shiloh is another name for Messiah. This is a two part verse. It's a two part verse. It's two part because Shiloh coming, well, the, the scepter talks about his first coming. Shiloh coming is talking about his second coming. So we see the first and the second coming in the scriptures. This is not talking about the, the rapture. Okay? Isaiah 63, 2 through 4 says this, Why is your apparel red? 
and the garments like one who treads in a winepress. This is talking about the second coming. I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. This is Messiah talking. It's capital M. For I have trodden them under my feet and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. What Jesus is saying, what this is saying is, when the Messiah comes back, just like he, uh, Genesis, uh, not Genesis, Revelation, I believe, 19, you know, they see his, his robes are covered with blood, and it's red, like scarlet. It's a picture of the second coming. In Revelation 19, I'm going to turn there. I'm going to read that for you. This is important that you see Messiah in this verse by, from the prophecy and the blessing Jacob gives to his son Judah, who is the fourth-born son of Leah, by the way. I hope I get there tonight. She's the, he's the fourth-born son of Leah. So it is not uh, Rachel who was so loved by, by uh, Jacob. It's Leah that is in the line to Messiah. And when we get to the end of this chapter, you're going to see that Sarah and Abraham are buried in that cave in Machpelah that he purchased, the only purchased possession that Abraham ever had, Machpelah where he buried Sarah. Then Abraham's buried there. And then Sarah is buried there. Not Sarah, but uh, Rebecca is buried there. And and uh, Isaac is buried there. And now we're going to find out that Leah's buried there. And we're going to find out that Jacob is going to be buried there also. So there's going to be six people buried in that tomb. So let me read Revelation 19, verses six, 11 through uh, 16. Okay, 11. Now I saw the heavens open. This is the rapture. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And that, the, the Greek word there is diadem. It's a solid gold crown with gems in it. Okay? Um, he had a name written on him that nobody knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. There it is. Going back to Isaiah 63. Let's see. His robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Sound familiar? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the world, and they did not know him. But he was made flesh, and he dwelt among us, says John 1, 14. Okay? And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That means everyone that died and believed in Jesus is coming back with him. But notice that their robes are white. Jesus is doing all the work because his, bloody, his robe is bloody. Okay? The saints are going to be with them. That's you and I, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Verse 15, Now out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, and with, in it, with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his robe and on his side a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who we're talking about here. That's who Jacob is, is saying, that Shil- until Shiloh comes, he has the rod to execute judgment. So, listen to this. This is Revelation 14, verses 14 through 20. Same thing. It's about God reaping a harvest. Okay, another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had the power over fire. And he cried out with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine from the earth. For her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered, gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and the blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs, which is about 180 miles. That's a lot of blood. It's important that we recognize this. You know what? I'm going to read the lyrics to a song, and you can recognize these three verses that, I, that, I, uh, that I've just read to you, these three passages, Revelation 14, Revelation 19, and Genesis chapter 48 or 49 and verse 10. Here's, here's the song, and you'll recognize it right away, by Julia Ward Howe. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, he was trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He was loosened the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Four times. I have seen him in the watch fires of a hundred circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flashing lamps. His day is marching on. It's coming, church. We better get ready. Look out the world today. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. I have read the fierce, fiery gospel writ in burnished robes of steel. As yet deal with my condemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent with his heel since God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. This song was written about those three verses what I just read to you. He has sounded forth the trumpet. We know that when he comes back, the Lord descends will a trumpet that will never call retreat. The Lord is not going to retreat. The devil has no authority. We just read it in the first verse, which is also Genesis 3, chapter 3, and verse 15. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. And we as Christians, we never call retreat. Never, never, never. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. 
Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Oh, God's is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. And the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. We've been born again. I'm not the same guy I was 46 years ago. Thank God. With his glory in his bosom that transfigures me and me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old pass away, the new things have come. And he has died to make men holy. You're only made holy by the Lord Jesus Christ. By grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of your works that any man should boast. And Titus 3.5, he saved us. Messiah saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. We're born again. That's what this is talking about. The gospel is right in this song. Churches get together. You might not like that I believe in speaking in tongues, and you might not like that I believe in miracles and healing you for today. today. But you know what? One thing we do believe in, here's what we believe in, that Christ came, that he died, that he was buried, and he has risen the third day according to the Scriptures. So quit looking at your faults of your brother or your sister and look at what you have in common. Amos 3.3 is always used out of context all the time. How could two walk together if they uh, disagree? Well, we disagree about this, but there's one common thing we agree about, that Christ came, died, was buried, and has risen according to the Scriptures. Let's think about these things instead of cutting our brother down over there and our sister down over here. We've got to straighten up. The church got to grow up and straighten up. Judah, if it were a state, I would say that it is Florida. You know why? Because it's densely inhabited, okay? And it's the home of many influential and powerful leaders. And that's what this, this blessing is on Jacob, or Judah, from his father Jacob, or all, also named Israel by God, if you remember right. Wow. Verse 13, I'm going back to to, uh, Genesis 48. Verse 13, and Joseph took from them both Ephraim with his right hand and towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand and brought them and laid him on and his right hand on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his brother's hands, knowing for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom your father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who redeemed me from evil, bless the, the lads, let my name be named upon them and name in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let him them grow into a multitude 
in the midst of the earth. So when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, and it displeased him, so he took hold of his father's hand to remove it, and Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn, but your right hand is on his head. And his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know he will surely become a great people. But truly, this younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall come multitudes of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel, blessed, saying, May God make you and Ephraim and Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Well, that was a good story sidetrack, but it wasn't the verse I was looking at. It was chapter 48. But it gets you to understand, you saw there that their Joseph tribe consists of Manasseh and Ephraim, and they were blessed by him. Ephraim was the youngest, but he had the birthright. He's the first, you know, Jacob put the blessing, switched his arms around, put his right hand on Ephraim, who was the youngest. So, anyway, Genesis 49:13 Zebulun shall dwell by the haven uh, by the sea he shall become a haven for ships and his borders shall adjoin Sidon and uh, literally that word his haven shall be by the sea it literally means lo- looking towards the sea okay um, the main idea is that Zebulun is associated with the sea and with trade and it was fulfilled. His border never bordered the Mediterranean Sea or even the Sea of Galilee, which is fresh water. He was right in between them. It was seven miles to the, from, from, uh, from Zebulon where they were located. It was seven miles to the Mediterranean. It was also seven miles to the Jordan River. So it was right there. And it was a center of trade. And they became, you know, it became a trade route for for voters for for people who had uh, contact with the sea. So it it was fulfilled. Zebulon, if it were if it were like a state, I would say it would be like Illinois, inland but a commercial trade center like Chicago as a commercial trade center. Prophecy of the sixth son now is the tribe of Issachar in verses 14 and 15. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. He saw that the rest was good and that the land was pleasant. He bowed and shouldered to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. You know, This tribe, Issachar, is associated with a strong donkey, okay? is agricultural, who became a band of slaves. That means they're confined. Issachar was strong, but they were passive. Never exercised great strength in Israel. They never exercised great strength. You know what? There are Christians like that today. 
who say they believe in Jesus Christ, but they're passive. We weren't told to be passive. We were told to go, therefore, and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, knowing that the Lord is with us wherever we go. Listen, you Christians out there, if you're complacent or passive, you are in danger because the devil sees and he's going to attack and you're going to lose if, you aren't, if you're too passive. When the devil attacks you, you take your authority as in Jesus Christ and you say, no weapon you form against me, the accused chooser. With no weapon is going to, going to be conformed to me that will prosper. And if you accuse me in judgment, I have the authority to condemn you. That's my inheritance. And my justification is in the Lord. It is written, sword of the Spirit, wipe the devil out. When he sees you, he should be taken off like a bat out of hell like he is. Because you're a strong Christian, not a complacent Christian, not a passive Christian. I told you, being a Vietnam vet, I almost got myself killed three times because I got complacent. And believe me, the devil sees you in the church and you're complacent and you're, you're passive. He's going to attack you and try to bring you down and keep your mouth shut so you don't preach about Jesus. If you can't preach about Jesus, wear a t-shirt that says, Got Jesus or Something like that. Don't be passive. If Issachar were a state, I would liken it to Oklahoma. It's strong, but it's backlaid and passive. Prophecy on number seven, son, the tribe of Dan. Verse 16 through 18 of Genesis 49. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider shall fall backwards. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. Here's a bittersweet prophecy. The sweet part is Dan will hold a position of judgment. And we know if you went to the book of of, uh, Judges, you will find out that Samson is one of them. Samson was from the tribe of Dan. And we know that he was, you know, he judged Israel. It said in verse 17 that Dan would be a serpent or a viper. Some think that the Antichrist is going to come from the tribe of Dan. Now, we don't know who belongs to the tribe of Dan today. Because all this, the records of the genealogies of the Jews was burned to a crisp in the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It was burned. There is no record, so they can't really prove it. Dan would be a poison to Israel, and they were a poison to Israel. You remember Jeroboam when the, ten, the 12 tribes split and the 10 tribes went to the Northland and, and uh, is it ben, Benjamin and, and Judah? No, Benjamin and... Uh, Judah, yeah. Benjamin and Judah, they they were the, the southern tribe, okay? And they judged Israel. You can read Judges 18 to find that out. And Amos 8. Jeroboam was the one captain or soldier that split off from Judah and Dan. I'm sorry, it's not Dan, it's Benjamin. 
It would split off. So what happened was Jeroboam set up a golden calf up in Dan's land. And they became idol worshipers, and they introduced idolatry to the Jews, according to Amos 8, 4. It's interesting because in Revelation chapter 7, in the tribal listings, Dan isn't even mentioned. Weird, huh? I don't know why. He is mentioned in Ezekiel 48. It's the first use, use of, of, uh, of um, what is it? salvation is in this verse. It's the first use in the Bible of the word salvation. In 18, verse 18, I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. I think they needed to be redeemed. They were the church that, if I can relate to a church today, they were the tribe that, that took off and they needed to repent and to be saved. Dan, if it were a state, I would liken it to New York. It was, it's very influential, but very idolatrous. Everything comes through New York first. And then California grabs onto it. So we see, you know, there's there's a lot going on here. Bittersweet prophecies. Prophecy against number eight, son, Gad. Gad, a troop, shall tramp upon you, and he shall triumph at last. Gad is a troop. The bitter part is the troop's going to be stamped on. The sweet part is he's going to triumph. And that was fulfilled in number 2032 because Gad settled east of the Jordan with Reuben and the half the tribe of Manasseh. And what happened is, you know, the the Jordan gave them no protection because they were on the east side of it. They were frequently attacked because of that. But Issachar fought very boldly. If it were a state, I'd say Texas, because Texas I'd say because Texas has an exposed border, and it made them tough because they had to keep fighting to keep the land across the you know north of the Rio Grande. Son number nine, prophecy for concerning Asher's bread from Asher shall be rich, and he shall yield royal dainties. Asher would be a source of substance. It would be breadbasket rich. In other words, they're going to make royal dainties. I don't know if you you uh, if you know any bakers that are Jewish. They might be from the tribe of Asher. If it were a state, I would liken it to the breadbasket states like Kansas and Oklahoma and Nebraska and Colorado. Prophecy about number 10, son, concerning the tribe of Natali. It says in Genesis 49, 21, Natali is a deer let loose. He is beautiful. He has beautiful words. That's it. You know what that tells me? If you know any poets or songwriters that are Jewish, they might come from that tribe. Not that they all would, but some would. They're a deer let loose. Their 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 writings are sweet. 